welcome. You have entered the home of the ECU Pirates. Pirate Nation, stand up and put your hooks in the sky. Let's make this competition feel what it's like to be surrounded. Y'all with me? Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get it started, get your hands at your pocket Turn up the volume, we're the bomb and you're the target It's on, mind blowing with the whatnots Doing everything but stop Trust dog, y'all ain't ready for this High powered, ECU's on fire Scorch till the competition's begging for rain Welcome into the Sports Objective right here on a Tuesday evening And I tell you what, we've got a very special show We want to give a shout out to Bubba Rosenbaum I know that he's a little bit under the weather tonight, but producing behind the scenes with us. One of our favorites is back on the show. It's basketball season, and he can come on anytime he wants, even if it's, it's still football season, baseball season, whatever you like. And that's uh, former ECU head men's basketball coach, Coach Mike Steele. How are you, Coach? I'm great. How are you? After a big pirate win, everybody's good. That's right. You know, our friend Brian Bailey always talks about if you want to get a loan for a car or a house, then – Go Monday morning after a pirate victory. So in the fall that you can get a you can get a loan. <laughs> oh no, no, and you know Brian's not the sharpest tool in the shed. So I mean, for him to come up with that is, you know, he uh, he he did my coach's show when uh, when I first got to East Carolina, and we would it would take us two hours to do a twenty minute show because we would just start laughing. And I mean, we had a blooper tape that I think, thank God, somebody destroyed because <laughs> we had so much fun. I mean, so much fun. He, uh, we had a kid make a half court shot. We played South Carolina. We had just beaten James Madison and we were horrible my first year, horrible, but we beat James Madison. So we're coming back on the bus and we're going to play South Carolina. They're ranked 20th in the, in the country. But we think we can win the game now. The coaches, the players, I mean, we had two walk-ons start. But because we beat James Madison, we think we're going to, you know, we're all punked. Well, they just thump us. But at halftime, a kid makes a half-court shot and he wins a car. And the place is going crazy. So we had him on my, my, my uh, talk show or my coach's show. And the kid, he's on and Bailey and I are, t- he goes, Coach, I'm just telling you, I've been doing a lot of partying. I thought I'd want a pizza. <laughs> he thought he wanted a pizza. No, you can't make that up. I looked over at Bailey. I said, "My, what? Only in East Carolina can a kid win a car, and everybody's going crazy, and he thinks he won a Domino's pizza. It's beautiful." Oh man, was that was that Pirate Al? Oh no, no, no! Pirate Al would have known. Yeah, he he, he would have been worried about how he's going to pay the taxes or whatever. (laughs) Oh, I love Pirate Elf. Another one of our favorites. Another good one. Yeah. Wanted to have you on, Coach. Uh, Obviously, basketball. I can't believe basketball season is here. Not that I'm complaining. Very happy the basketball season's here. And want to get your thoughts. I guess we can first talk about, um, obviously, the Pirates with ECU. Uh, one of the things people were talking about, obviously, back in the spring and when Jaden Gardner left. But, Coach, I'm going to just be honest. Uh, it may sound like sour grapes. I think this is a situation now when you have the transfer portal, when you have this one-time rule where you, you don't have to sit out anymore. This is almost like a trade. and We desperately needed shooters, and 
I feel like Joe's got him now uh, with our program. You know, I've seen two, a little bit of two practices. And, uh, you know, I told Joe, I'll come to practice, but it's got to be raining. Because otherwise, I'm going to be on the golf course. I mean, I'm not going to oh, yeah. spend a lot of time in the gym. But I've been to practice. Joe's a good coach. I mean, he he works them hard, but he loves them up. He really is a good coach. But it's funny you said that because I loved Gardner his first two years. I loved him. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like him last year. Hadn't, I, I didn't know he was leaving, but I didn't like the way he played. I didn't. You know, he wanted to be out on the floor, and this is just my opinion, but that's not his game. His game is to grind and get in there and get fouled and, and take it to the paint. And yep. he out on the floor, he's not very good at pass. It wasn't. Maybe he was will improve, but wasn't a very good passer, wasn't a very good dribbler, can't guard people on the floor, and can't shoot very well from out there. So I, I just uh, – and it'll be interesting to see what he does at Virginia. I mean, they lost a ton of guys, and so I'm sure he'll play. But – I think that the idea he's going to be out there at the three-point line is not realistic. That's just me. No doubt about it, Coach. And uh, with with his team, you never know. Uh, last year was terrible with COVID. Uh, Joe's team starts out 7-1, and one, and then they go a period. Of, you remember February? I mean, February back, it seems like it was a year or two ago, but it was, it was earlier in the year. But uh, it was, what, 20-some days without a game or practice. I mean, it was a long, long time. I can't imagine – being a coach and a coach Dooley, of course, got COVID. He couldn't go to that Tulane game. I mean, there was just so many crazy variables that happened last year because of, of COVID-19. I thought that the football team, ironically, would be hurt more than the basketball team, and it was the other way around. I think the no. basketball team was hurt more than the football team. No, you know, it, especially when you're at East Carolina and you, you're bringing new guys in, and and I, I just didn't think they ever really found – their niche or found their, you know, it, and people started doubling and triple teaming, uh, to his credit, Garner was, you know, they had people everywhere, everywhere he turned and we just couldn't make shots. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, having a quarterback that can't pass or running back that can't run or that, you know, a pitcher that can't throw a fastball. I mean, we could not make shots. And as you know, when you watch coaches, they get really frustrated when guys miss open shots because that's all you can do is get guys on offense, just get guys open shots. And they ran some stuff, good stuff. But when I watched, like, and again, you know, I had a lot of guys that could shoot in practice. I mean, Dave, I don't miss any putts on the putting green. But, you know, <laughs> when it goes out there and you're playing for $2 or you're playing for pride, I mean, we've got to be able to, to like, the last few years, We've never in my we never had a guy that when he was wide open that I thought for sure he was going to make it. You know, like most teams have one or two guys that if they're open, you know, you can't. That's you're going to count it, and we just yeah. we just didn't have that. And and if when I watched them, you know, I watched them do the drills and stuff, and we got a couple guys that have got nice looking shots and. When I watch, they seem like they like each other. Now, we haven't lost any games yet, you know, so we haven't, you know, they haven't traveled and done all that stuff. But I think Joe likes his team. And uh, I think we'll, I think we'll be fine. I think we're going to be fine. Very excited. I want to ask you, we're going to come back to basketball. 
want to get your thoughts on obviously with all this conference USA and American and all this uh, conference realignment. I want to get your thoughts on that because you're a coach at the Division One level. Uh, this is crazy stuff. We lose obviously UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston to the Big Twelve. It's just been so much of a shakeup. I want to get your thoughts on it. Well, personally, I think it's the best thing that has happened to Pirate Athletics in 25 years. 25 years, maybe 30 years. And part of that is as a former coach. I mean, we're getting ready three teams that we shouldn't be. I mean, you look at three teams that their budgets are like Carolinas or Duke. I mean, we shouldn't be able to beat those teams. And if you do, it's a big upset. You're not going to beat them on the road. And we bring in teams that are similar to us. And my argument, Dave, is that when Skip was here, you know, I love Skip to death. He went 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 9. We beat Florida International, Florida Atlantic, UAB, Rice, UTEP, which was a trip that both coaches, wife, and myself, we found a way to be sick every time we had to go to UTEP because I'm not going <laughs> to Mexico to play a damn game. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I think that, and you think about it, like we played South Carolina this year, an SEC team in football. We had less than 30,000 people there. And that's because we've lost six years in a row. We've got great fans, but everybody, everybody has good fans. When you start losing, not a game, a season or two, but that many times. And if we were, if we were six and one and playing rice, We'd have 40,000 people there. Rice. I mean, nobody buys a ticket to go see us play Houston or Cincinnati. It doesn't make any difference. We're, they come to see the Pirates, and when the Pirates are losing, you know, people don't go. And with COVID, it was kind of like, shoot, I can stay home and watch them on TV or go to the beach or go play golf or do whatever. It wasn't the thing to do. And Skip made it the thing to do, but... He had five games on his schedule that we sh we should have won, you know, going away, and we did. So I think if with what I've seen with us playing Houston and, and Central Florida, we had a chance to we should have beat Central Florida, and they're not as good as they've been, but we should have beat them, and we had a chance to beat Houston. So I think that football is. I would like to see those three teams out tomorrow and the other teams in tomorrow and then we wouldn't have to worry about whether it's facilities we've always since i've been here when we were in the caa we had the worst facilities in the conference arguably when we upgraded our facilities then we went to conference usa and all of a sudden instead of playing william and mary uh you know i mean we're playing we're playing Cincinnati, who's been to one championship. We, we're playing, you know, we're playing teams, Marquette, DePaul, right on the line. Louisville. I mean, there's no way we should have done that. But we did. And then when we went to the American Conference, you know, Terry Allen, they thought we were going to be in the Power Five. It was, I mean, so you make that plunge. Well, when we didn't get that, when, when we couldn't take non-qualifiers, David changed our whole, like, if Skip would have stayed here and couldn't take non-qualifiers. He'd been in the same boat that Steve Logan was in when the, when the BCS came. He'd have been 
struggling to keep a job. It's, I think right now we couldn't do it because we couldn't get out of the American conference and pay to pay to get out. I mean, we were, we were in, in my opinion, no man's land, but now I think we can win them in football for sure. And I think we can win in basketball. I mean, no doubt. I, I, I'm excited. I'm as excited as I've been because when I look at the schedule, I'm not going loss, 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 but you know, the preseason, you can be wrong, but, I think we got rid of three teams that we, if we were all at that level, would be different. But in regard to budgets, it's not, you know, it wasn't even close. So I think it's great. I want to ask you your relationship with Skip Holtz and uh, LaTeX getting left behind and still in the right. Conference USA. What, what's your thoughts on that? I thought we thought about you, and that's one of the reasons we wanted you on, is we no. think a lot of Schultz. No, you know, like, I know for since Skip's been there for eight years, he has pleaded with the administration to, to get student fees, to be able to get their budget, and they wouldn't do it. So they've never done it. Well, now they said, well, they're going to do it. Well, guess what? It might be a little late because it looks like Western Kentucky is going to go to the Mid-American Conference, which is not a bad fit. I mean, you got all those Ohio schools and Indiana, all states in there, and they're going to get in there. And I think Buffalo or somebody else is going to get in, whoever it is. I don't know what's going to happen to, uh, I mean, can you imagine being at La Tech where La Tech and Western Kentucky for a while, neither one of them were in and they've won nine of the last 10 football championships, but I don't know how you recruit right now. Like, you know, you can't say who you're going to, he, it would be awfully easy to recruit against La Tech if you're recruiting against them. And Without being negative, you could say, hey, they're great guys over there, but here's where we are and where are they? It's a it's a, it's a nightmare. It's a it's an absolute nightmare. I don't know what they're gonna do. Somebody, I mean, you can't hardly go independent. I mean, UConn has proven that. I mean, my guys, UConn <laughs> should just go one double A and just, you know, but I don't know what's gonna happen. It's it's I feel terrible for him. Man, they're having a tough season. I, you know, they had. They How many had games are they? Close games. Oh, my gosh. They had Mississippi State down 31 to 14 in the fourth quarter and lost. SMU, who's really good. SMU scored on the last second 50-yard Hail Mary. Ball got oh, Hail Mary. up in the air. And, I mean, we were watching it. It was like, uh, I was, you know, I always want East Carolina to win, but. If you're not real, real close to the coaches, it's a good thing because if they lose, then you just go play golf. I mean, you know, life goes on. But I really like Joe and I really like Mike. And, you know, I've got some of Skip's assistance there. And so I'm a little more ingrained. It hurts a little more now because I know how hard all, you know, all those guys work. But I think football, we're really close in football to being real good in, in this conference now. I, I, I think we're, we got a chance to be really good. And I think Joe, I looked at their schedule. They got a lot of home games. They've got three or four neutral sites. They've only got 10 away games. If they can get going, I think we can have a winning season in basketball. Oh which, my God. That would be, which I think would people would get, you know, we haven't, I had one and I think they've had four in 50 years. Yeah. You know, I, what 2013. Yeah, I'm so, 
I think they'll put the statue up for me the same time they do Lebo when they look back on it. You know, we each <laughs> had, had a winning season. It's not easy. No. Hey, and, you know, I'm going, I'm going to Connecticut. Uh, Purdue plays Carolina. In, yeah, I was going to uh, ask you about that. Yeah, in the, in the basketball. And uh, Tennessee, where I coached against uh, Coach Barnes when he was at George Mason. And so Tennessee plays Villanova. And so that'll be a, you know, I, I had a chance to coach Coach Lebo's son, Creighton, who's a really good player. He's a walk-on. And, and on Jeff, I'm hoping Melissa goes, but it'll be, uh, it'll be neat to see them because Purdue's going to be good and Carolina's Carolina, but Tennessee and those four teams that could be in the top 10 preseason. So it'll be fun. And, and Coach, we have right now, we have Kyle from the Grange Barber, and uh, he's showing up late to the – to the show late to practice, so to speak, are you going to make him run? What would you do if you have a player show up late? It depends on how good they were. <laughs> I, I'm guessing this one would be running a long time. <laughs> I, uh, you know, you know what? I'm actually not late. I was here before. We, we had another show with Ryan Jones. He's here a lot of tight end prior to this. And uh, that's okay, Kyle. Well, you're good. I was counting you as being good. So that's all right. We're good. Okay. Well, you know, I'm pretty good. I, I have some things I had to do. Uh, so, I got those done, and now I'm here. Well, we're glad you're here. You know, Coach, uh, we were just talking about Law Tech and uh, Skip Holtz right before you jumped on, and um, we were in. They're in a they're in a tough situation, but Coach has a coach. If you'll tell him again, since he's behind, I think he's going to be. You'll you can tell him to get out of the panic room when it comes to the American. He likes the idea of the new teams coming in where we can mm -hmm. win the conference. Call. I mean, that's that's great. I don't. You know, <laughs> just because Mike Steele likes it, don't mean Kyle Barber likes it. I mean, he's not gonna change my mind. Uh, I didn't uh, say that. I didn't say no, that. Kyle, but Kyle, not only do I like it, I think it's the best thing that's happened to East Carolina uh, athletics in 25 years. It, it, I, I don't like the the Texas ads. It's it's too far west. I'd much rather, uh, I, you know, financially, I like the seven million dollars a year we're gonna continue to get from ESPN. I'd much rather be in the Sun Belt. Um, more regional rivals, more history. We got more history with Marshall, Southern Miss, Appalachian State, et cetera. No, no, you know, I, I don't I don't mind that either. I, I would like that, but we couldn't do that because we couldn't get out of our conference and pay the ten million or whatever it is and then not get that money. So that, that was <laughs> that's that's gonna be the key. If Memphis and SMU leave for the Big Twelve, if they take two more, I, I have every idea the T V money will go down at that point. And then the exit fee would go down. And, and that's going to be when, when when we're going to have to make a decision. But as long as we're still getting $7 million from ESPN per year, uh, we can't go anywhere. No. And you know what? If those teams go, I think we'd, we'll pick up two more or three more, whatever. But what I like, Kyle, is that instead of us fighting to try to be in the middle of the conference, I think arguably we have we have a chance to compete in football and basketball and have a chance to win the conference. And as you know, you've been here long enough, like winning solves 99% of the problems. If, if you're winning, the sun looks better, the food tastes better, the, the fans are better. Once the season starts, nobody cares who you play. Nobody's gonna buy tickets if we're losing to see us play Cincinnati or Houston any more than they're going to see us rice or you, they're going to see the pirates play 
And if we can win, oh, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. What, 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 what my problem was, we, we had a six, okay. And so you, you bring in uh, UTSA, uh, top twenty-five football program, a lot of potential. There's nothing else in San Antonio but the Spurs. So to me, that media market is a legitimate argument because there's there's no other show in town outside the Spurs. You know, there, there's there's no NFL team, there's no MLB team, right? So you, you really do capture the San Antonio market. Uh, Florida Atlantic, good football program. Uh, I think they've had decent basketball through the years. Good baseball, great facilities. I'm okay with that ad. UAB, good basketball. We've got a brand new football stadium. Good football with Bill Clark. I'm okay with that ad. What I don't like is North Texas, Rice, and uh, Charlotte. Um, I would have much rather added Appalachian, Southern Miss, Marshall for the other three. Well, you know and why they didn't? Media market. Budgets. No. Their, bu- their athletic yeah. budgets. The athletic budget. budget for Appalachia is the exact same as Charlotte. App- oh, I don't – I mean, that's not okay, – Go look it up. It's exactly the same. Well – I've been told by the people that, you know, are athletic directors and at that level say they would have had to double their budget. So I don't know. But I think that that would have been a great choice. But they opted, from what I've heard, to not do it because they, they didn't want to have to raise that much money. And they got a good gig right now. Although the Sun Belt is growing and it's growing at leaves and bounds and their media deal is about to go up. Uh, they're going to get from, from all reports between two and a half and three million dollars per team. For television revenue, and yeah, what I wanted, and what I want to see is a cost analysis. If they go to three million for television revenue, with, with JMU, Marshall, Appalachian, Coastal Carolina, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, all being in that league, I would love to see a cost analysis for our travel expenses in the New American versus what the travel expenses would be in the New Sun Belt to offset the media deal if they go up to three million. Um, you, you know, also something I think people need to keep in mind. We're talking about the Sun Belt versus the American. James Madison, Appalachian, ODU. I forgot ODU in this equation. They're in there also. Uh, they're all going to bring fans to Greenville. Temple, South Florida, UTSA, Rice, they're not bringing anybody to Greenville. They're not going to help us sell tickets in terms no. of their fans. I agree. I agree. But if if this, this new leap that – you know, we didn't really have any control. I mean, we didn't have anywhere we could go. We're we're locked in. Uh, the other thing that is not getting a whole lot of emphasis, but is a huge deal, is the NCAA is going to pass that they're no longer to be a qualifier. It's going to be grades only. It's not going to be SAT tests. It's not going to be ACT tests. And that's oh, wow. huge. It's going to be for oh, everyone. Wow. And so, so basically, anybody will be able to take non qualifiers per exactly. se. And so. What I think that's good gonna, news. It's great news. What I, I think is going to happen is, is it? <laughs> you know, we were getting the guys when Skip was here that we're, you know we're going to go to Carolina or State or wherever, and we got them. Well, now those guys are going to Coastal and they're going to Appy and they're going to Liberty, and there's a reason that those schools are that those teams are so good. That's one of the huge reasons. Yeah. Well, Carolina's going to get theirs now, and State's going to get theirs, but we're going to be the next step. The, they can only take so many, right. then we're going to take some, and then they're going to go to Appy, and then they're going to go to Coastal and Liberty. And I think that's going to – if we get four or five kids a year, and Dave and I were talking, I mean, Skip Skip had 13 guys that went to the NFL, and a lot of those guys got degrees, but that SAT score, they couldn't get it. Well, you take those guys off Skip's teams – 
And he's going to be in the same boat that Steve Logan was in, the same boat that Rush was in. He's going to be battling to be 500 in the last you know, couple of years. So that is a huge deal for, for East Carolina. It's huge. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I think uh, I think it's probably good for everybody. I um, I do too. W- one thing I was actually thinking before you just said they passed that, I was wondering for schools that live off non-qualifiers, like say Marshall uh, is a good example for football. If if that wasn't passed, I, I was thinking with the new transfer rule, you could have a lot of these non-qualifiers go somewhere like Marshall one year, then go transfer somewhere else anyway. Um, so no, it's, not, know, it, it, it's really yeah. good that they passed that. And you know, Marshall also has their own junior college basically on campus. And a lot of those classes that will transfer to Marshall won't transfer anywhere else. Yeah. So they got a nice gig. Once they got them, they're in Guantanamo Bay. They can't get out. I mean, they're they're pretty much locked in. They got a nice, nice gig there. Yeah, that coach, that that's great to know because I've always thought the SAT is nothing more than making a bunch of people or a few people in Princeton, New Jersey, rich. Um, that does not decide whether how you whether you graduate college or not. Dave, when I was at DePaul, you had to have 1,200 supposedly to get in. Oh. And we had kids that give me a guy that's an AB student that makes 800 and he'll be an AB student in college because he's already works. The, I had two kids not make it at DePaul. They were 1,400, but they couldn't get their butts out of bed and go to class. Now, I've always thought from day one, and then when, they, when you could take a class to take the test, how, how stupid is that? But they, no, they didn't, they didn't make money. They, they bought islands. They bought islands. They're, yeah, they were stealing money. Exactly. And the only reason they dropped it is because they found out all these Politicians and movie stars were paying people to get their kids in school, and they said, "You know, hey, this is that. This isn't good. We can't be doing this." No, pretty hypocritical. No doubt about it. You're. Uh, we were talking about uh, Kyle. We were talking about Joe with the basketball program, and I'm very excited, Coach, about the Myrtle Beach tournament uh, coming up this month in a couple weeks. It's going to be fantastic, I think, for Joe and the program. No, it's incredible that it's going to be here. And, you know, because I'm – I got to go to a lot of the games during the COVID because I'm Drew Steele's dad. I mean, that's that's how I got in. And, you know, I we were playing somebody. I might have been usually one the Houston game, and, and the new chancellor, Philip, went to school with my oldest son. And he's sitting right in front of me, and I he just got a job. And he turns around and says, Coach – and we talk and he says, you know, I went to your basketball camp three years in a row. And I said, you can't blame that on me that you weren't any good. You, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I can't make you a player in a week. I can't do it. And I said, and also, I said, Philip, you're not getting any money back. It's way past that. So, you know, and if you were any good, you wouldn't be the chancellor. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't have done all that academic stuff. And I think he's good. I think he's great for us. So I, I, I think that. A couple of the rule changes that we had nothing to do with the non-qualifier and then some of the teams leaving and the other teams coming in. I don't disagree with Kyle. I would have loved to see Appian and I'd love to see Coastal. You know, I mean, they're right. Like, but. Well, another one, if we're, we're talking about that, another one to me that I know a lot of people like the Charlotte ad, a lot of people don't. And 
I, I just I look at it from a football standpoint. You're more going to look at it from a basketball standpoint. And in basketball, Charlotte's got a lot of tradition. Uh, but in football, they got a 15,000 seat stadium. They dug a hole in the ground and, and, and you know, calling it a football stadium. You know, Old Dominion to me would have made more sense because I'll make the UTSA argument. Norfolk, Virginia Beach is a huge metropolitan area. The, 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 the metropolitan area for, for, for uh, Hampton Roads is 1.7 million people. And there is no professional sports teams. Um, Which is so crazy. To me, Old Dominion, once they start winning again, to me, that's another market that's truly a market you could have had. To me, Charlotte is a pro sports town. And people that are college sports t- fans in Charlotte, they, they're ACC fans. They're East Carolina fans. They're App State fans. There's not a lot of Charlotte fans in Charlotte. So, to me, again, if you didn't want OD, if you didn't want App, why not ODU? To me, ODU would have made more sense. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but I don't know the background in regard to the budgets and all that stuff. I don't know how, you know, how all that, you know, pans out because I know that like Cincinnati going into the big 12, they've spent, they spent $60 million renovating the basketball facility. I mean, they were all in that they were going to go somewhere and, right. you know, and it's a you know big city and so forth. But so I don't know. I don't know if, if we didn't offer Old Dominion, you know, I, like, I don't know if we didn't offer Appy State. I, I don't know. I'd be guessing. And I agree with you. I went to the Old Dominion game two years ago that Skip played, and their facility is built so that they could add 15, 20,000 people right there. I mean, just add another deck. Yeah, I, I don't know that App State pursued membership into the American. The rumor is they were, they did. I do know Old Dominion did. Old Dominion wanted into the American, and, and it didn't happen. And so now they're going to the Sun Belt, and it may or may not be the demise of Conference USA. We'll have to see what happens. They're 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 trying to get something what, going. What, I don't I don't think that Conference USA has the conference to demise. I mean, <laughs> well, they got five left as we sit here today. No, I, um, I Middle and Western are talking left. to the MAC. Who do they uh, have, Who do they have left besides Louisiana Tech? Louisiana Tech, Florida International, UTEP, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, and Middle and Western are talking to the MAC. Uh, they're trying to bring in Sam Houston State, defending FCS national champion, Jacksonville State, the team that upset Florida State earlier this year, and move them up to FBS. Liberty appears to be in for all sports and New Mexico State for all sports. So you can look what has happened. How would you like to be in Conference USA right now? Oh, I feel bad for the Louisiana Tech fans. They have nowhere to go. Uh, they've got, and they've got good fans. They follow. They're used to winning. But – New Mexico State, really? Yeah, yeah. Liberty's appealing. Liberty's appealing. Um, beyond that, I, I really Sam Houston State from a football standpoint, defending FCS national champions, got a huge upside. I don't think it's a bad basketball league if you look at it. If that were to happen, if Western stays, you would have Western. You'd have Liberty. Uh, I think Jacksonville State has decent basketball. You can correct me Western, if I'm wrong. I think Western's going to the Mid-American. Yeah, they may or may not. Uh, I, I've talked to some of their um, big boosters. Uh, there are a couple that, that, that if Conference USA makes their ads, wants to stay for recruiting purposes in the South. Uh, but the majority do want to make the move to the MAC. We'll see what happens with that. You know – the Mac makes sense in regard to travel because you know you've got all those Ohio schools and all those, you know, yeah. Illinois and Indiana. I mean, they're right there. The travel and being able to have rivalries that you talked about, it would make perfect sense for them to do that. To 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 go into a conference with Houston, whoever, 
and New Mexico <laughs> State. And I mean, I I just think you're just throwing it against the wall and hope something sticks. Uh, they're in a bad they're in a bad place. Yeah, and, and but you got to hope for Louisiana Tech. You got to hope for Louisiana Tech. The league survives in some way, shape, or form because making it as a football independent in today's climate, I I, I don't know how you do it. Uh, look no. look at look at UConn and UMass. It's a disaster. No, you know, like the only one that could was BYU because they have such – they were already a yeah. brand. Yeah, and, well, Liberty's done it, and it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. If, if you're a religious school, you can do it. Yeah, you you know, in Liberty, Liberty's football team is, is really good, really good, and their basketball team. Their basketball team has made the last – I mean, you watch them play, and, you know, they're wins. arguably one of the top – probably 50 teams. They'll be one of the top 50 teams in the country this year again. But I, I agree with you going independent, trying to schedule people. Good luck with that. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, well, the COVID year was drastic with that too. No. And you know, when you're good and you go independent, nobody's calling you to say, let's play home and home. You know, if you're in a conference, you're worried about getting wins and then you play in the conference. Like when I got East Carolina, the first year when we had four or five kids, you know, end up getting going to jail the first week of practice because they stole things the spring before. And that did, you know, was never brought up in the interview. I know that shocks you, but you know, so all of a sudden they come in <laughs> the first practice and one of my guys go, yeah, coach, we're uh, we got six guys. They just took away. And I'm, but it, I, I just don't, I just don't see, how is an independent when I'm having my guys schedule out of conference, I'm looking for W's. I mean, you look at our basketball, I mean, you look for W's and I'm not going to pick Liberty as one of the ones that I'm going to play. And I know we're playing them this year, but it's in Charlotte. And I think that'll be a good, a good game for us. It'll be, you know, it'll be a hard, tough, tough game. Yeah. They are in a conference in basketball, I believe. Is it the ace son they're in a basketball? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I. But you're right. In football, Liberty's done a better job than most. Um, I think because they have money, I think they well, can actually buy some games. And um, they can take non-qualifiers. Yeah, and they can buy some games with the money they have. Um, some home games. But you, you look at somebody like New Mexico State, for example, who is trying to get in this new conference USA. If it, if, if it, you know, if it happens. Uh, they they've in recent history had to play the same team twice in the season. In fact, them and Liberty did that a couple of years ago as independents. They actually did a home and home during the regular season of football. No, you know you're exactly right because I I was talking to somebody I said no they played them three weeks ago they can't be playing them again. I go, yep. yeah, they got a home and home in football. That shows you how hard it is to schedule. I mean, all you have to do is see when 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 teams are playing home and home in football they can't find anybody to play them. It's huh. yeah, tough tough deal. Yeah, before we left you go, Coach, I uh, want to get your thoughts on, uh, obviously, we talked about the Pirates. And uh, do you have, like, a final four? Do you have uh, teams to watch out on the radar? And we're going to have you up back on a few weeks uh, once basketball season started. Well, I hate to put the hate on my uh, Purdue Boilermakers, but I think they're going to be loaded. Loaded. And they got a seven foot four Canadian kid that was a freshman last year. He'd only played one year of high school. He made the Canadian junior team, and they moved him up to the regular Olympic team. Uh, talking to Coach Painter, we have a guy that was second team all-conference, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, kid. And he said, Mike, we, I, I'm going to have to play the other kid in front of him. And, and 
he's just so he's so talented and he's tough and you know the first time i saw him play he just goes right down runs the court gets down in the low post and just posts up and i said coach you've done a great job and he said we didn't do anything he said you know in canada they don't have the all the au stuff so guys aren't out on the three-point line he just goes down to the block but they've got they've got all their guys back all their starters back they have a great recruiting class and and matt's a really good coach so i i got my boilermakers in there they're going to be they're going to be a tough out and and the rest of it it's you know this portal is a uh it's a different animal too you know one of my buddies brett Lappinghouse with uh Bostick sub he uh he used to come to practice some and he said steel he said you'd had guys leave say they're going to go get a drink of water and you'd had guys leave and go in the portal in the middle of practice <laughs> i guess he was saying i was a little tough on him at times but yeah i, I it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and you know football is this next year is just kind of really getting into the portal and paying for your likeness like the sec the sec has been cheating for 25 years they're way ahead of everybody you know, they, they used to have that rolodex under the desk now it's right on the desk i mean and they can pay whatever they want to pay them and it's not you know i mean i can pay somebody to say steel insurance is really really good and pay them three hundred thousand dollars there's no limit it's crazy i mean it's yeah it's gonna have to be real dan well hey wait a minute wait a minute can you do that for us that would be fantastic no but <laughs> you know like when when nick saban gets up at media day and they say who's going to be your starting quarterback and he says well the guy that already has over a million dollars in uh endorsement deals is leading right now and when ohio state has a guy making 1.3 million and they're going to redshirt him. I mean, that's, that's just, it's just a different. I, I think it's going to hurt. Oh, Kyle, I think it, what, what is, you know, like, like Auburn, the guy at Auburn, he's cheated forever. He's been kicked out twice. Well, now you have a guy from Carolina transfer to Auburn. How much money do you think he's going to make? And yeah. Mike, it's way over a million dollars. Well, what I think is going to be interesting is, you know, we, we, you have a lot of big money donors that, that are doing that. Uh, you know, what I want to know how how down the low road is going to affect the little man who uh, gives to, you know, I'll use the fire club for an example. And, you know, we're getting, somebody goes, now, wait a minute. You know, so-and-so is making $50,000 a year, $100,000 a year as a student athlete plus scholarships. Why the hell am I giving my hundred or a thousand dollars a year to the pirate club to play for their damn scholarship. Oh no, I, I agree with you. And, and also if you're like, if you're given 10,000 to the pirate club, why not give it to the best pitcher or the best volleyball, whatever it is yep. and give it to he or she, and you write it off as an expense. And that person driving your car or whatever it is, why not do that rather than give it to an institution, whether it's East Carolina or whatever college, why not give it to the kid? Everybody's going to be talking about it, whether it's good or bad. It's, it's one of the, when they talk about these kids not getting anything, you know, they said that I read an article that if Zion 
would have been able to do this his one year at Duke, just oh signing on, it'd have been way over a million dollars. Well, I was yeah. thinking about locally, you know, if this was going on when Dwayne Harris was here, his senior yeah. year. I mean, how much money would have Dwayne would, would have Dwayne made just signing autographs? No, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's the era we we live in, but it's just you know, and like when I was at Purdue, my sophomore year I wasn't getting to play, and I was going to go to Evansville, and my coach, Coach House, and my parents, we all met, and he said, if Mike sticks it out, he'll he'll play some. But, and I, and my attitude had gotten bad because I wasn't getting to play. And so I did. And, you know, we won the NIT that year and I, I played a lot. But if the portal would have been available, I'd have been gone. I'd have just been gone. You know, you have two days of bad practice and you go, I'm going to Ole Miss or I'm going to, I'm going to Sunshine. I'm going someplace. You would have been a purple ace. Yeah. And I'd have been a damn purple <laughs> ace. Yeah. But, <laughs> I just think it, 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 I don't know. I'm old school. I, I like to see kids that, you know, they grind and they grind and all of a sudden they get to be a junior and they're playing and the senior year, the leadership, you see them grow. I'm not sure that's uh, part of the equation. I, I agree with you. I'd like to see the transfer portal pulled back. I, in the name, image, and likeness, I, I'm okay with it, but it needs a lot of restrictions. It does not need to be the wild west. I was, you know, I'm okay with some of it, but the idea that, Kid can transfer from Carolina. Yep. And think about it. Like, kids, you, you can't get any better than Carolina. But kids transfer to Auburn. And, you know, Painter guy said, Mike, he's making way over a million dollars. When July 1st came, those contracts were signed. And, you know, I could go play at Auburn for a million dollars. I mean, <laughs> I told Coach Painter. I said, Coach Brainer, when I played, if they'd had that likeness, I said, I, by senior year, we could have gotten two for one pitchers probably at Lums down, you know, in the left. <laughs> and he, he said, Steel, every night was two for one pitchers at the levee. You know, that's that's what my likeness would have been worth. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, Kyle, I think it's it was a horrible decision. But you know what? Skip told me three years ago, he said, they're going to have to do this because if they don't, they, the lawyers lost, you know, in, the NCA lost, it spent $30 million and they lost basically all Bad the lawsuits. And the lawyer's argument was, if you say they're student athletes and they're not employees, but if they leave, you basically are giving them a one-year non-compete, like you would a, a lawyer who leaves your, leaves your firm or an insurance person leave, you're giving them a one-year non-compete. So you either have to take that away or you got to pay them. And I mean, it went to the Supreme Court and they voted 9-0. So people that don't know anything about athletics. And they didn't want to pay everybody. I don't know. I just think it's funny. They they have people that they have people decide on something that they're not athletes. So they have no clue. They probably never played. There were a lot of people on the Supreme Court that were playing hoops and football. I don't know what. Probably Wizard White was the last guy that did that. Well, if the Supreme Court wants to do something, and 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 the you know these chancellors and these ads and these school presidents and these as these so-called group of five schools like East Carolina, if they'll grow some nuts one day and sue, you know, right now what's happening in Cincinnati and you know Cincinnati's going to the Big Twelve or whatever, but it's criminal. 
they were number one or number two or number three in the country, depending on what poll you like. The 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 playoff poll comes out tonight by the committee. They're number six. Uh, so one of you these know, I days, saw that and I, I, I couldn't. My first thought was I couldn't believe it. My second thought was, you know, what else did you expect? College football, though, coach. College football is the one sport that gets in, in its own way. If they had a real playoff, they would they would be the number one sport in America, a legitimate playoff, and not what I call a made-for-TV event. That's what we have right now. They, it's going to take a lawsuit. It's going to take another yeah. lawsuit. And, and the thing that kills me is they all, yeah, all we worried about the student-athletes and got to get the student-athletes rights. Well, does East Carolina's players and Cincinnati's players not have the right to compete for a national championship? Why are they given a glass ceiling? So until until that's addressed and some people get mad enough to sue and say, you know what, if you take your ball and go home power five and break away, you break away. But if we're going to keep playing together, it's going to be fair. Until somebody has some guts to, 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 to do that, because I believe we'd win that lawsuit. You know what, Kyle? You can write this down. This is my prediction. The SEC basically is running the deal. And now... Yeah. You add Texas and Oklahoma, they're going to go to eight schools. They're going to go to eight teams. And because the SEC is going to have three or four of them, <laughs> it's going to be like the SEC invitation. But they they can't just have four because there's going to be too many SEC teams that are going to get left out. They're going to go to eight because they're going to say it's the best thing for college sports, but it's it's going to be the best thing for the SEC. Everybody else will be playing for yeah, the the, the talk was twelve. Because... The talk was twelve, and the group of five getting the the top five conferences. Uh, excuse me, the top six conferences getting automatic qualifiers into the into the uh, playoff with twelve teams. And if they did that, that means one group of five conference would get their champion in. Um, so that would be great if they actually did that. But uh, that's probably too fair for them to do. No, I I, I agree with you. And you know. <laughs> It's so hypocritical because all the other levels can do that. You know, the Division Three and the One Double A—they all do that. Kids, kids would rather play games than do the the winter workouts, the spring ball, yada yada yada. They would rather play games than do that. But and then you know the administrations—they all fold back to the—is it the best thing for the student athlete? Well, they don't care about yeah, that. Yes. I mean, they don't care about that. You know, it's the old North Dallas 40, the movie, where the guy says, when we want to call it a game, you call it a business. And when we want to call it a business, you want to call it a game. It's the same concept. Nobody cares. Nobody cares when the student athlete anymore. It, it, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I agree with you, though, Kyle. As long as they keep it at four, the SEC is going to have two. They're going to have that. Yeah. It needs to go to 12. Eight's not enough. I love the proposal to go to 12 and include uh, the group of five in that. Um, but, you know, when they proposed that, that's when the SEC made the move to add two to make sure they yeah. got multiple teams in. And then the Pac-12 said, hold, hold, hold on a minute. Let's not do that. So uh, I, I think, it's you know, the SEC's greed is hurting everybody else again. But uh, I think eventually go to 12 and and, and uh, include the group of five in it. Just, just hey, give Kyle, us one Kyle, spot. One spot the, between five what were, four, what were the four top spots? Because I just saw a blip. Uh, Michigan State, Oregon. Georgia, uh, Alabama. Yeah, Georgia, Alabama. And, you know, Michigan State 
in Ohio State. Oh, was it Alabama or was it Oklahoma, Dave? Yeah, I mean it's Alabama. I think that Georgia, okay. you know, Georgia and Alabama. You know, Alabama's going to be in it. Come on, they could be zero and twelve. They'll still put them in. It's ridiculous. And if they go in and Alabama beats Georgia, then with one loss, they're going to be one will be one and one will be three, so they can play <laughs> each other in the national championship game. And yeah. I don't hate I don't I don't hate Alabama, but I swear I know the I know what the rule is. But if if Alabama is zero and twelve, they'll be like, um, well, they play in the SEC and they play a really tough conference, and they were they would be. I mean, it's just amazing to me how um, it's just amazing well, to well, me. You, but watch watch out, uh, Auburn Auburn's got a good football team this year, and oh, no, I believe do. that's in Jordan Hare this year. Somebody no, check on do. that. And you know, the, the, like we talk about scheduling non conference, like. Alabama does squeeze in Mercer in there. You know, they yeah. they got one that they always have one that you're paying somebody a million dollars, whatever, and it's going to be packed. I mean, it'll be sold out or whatever. I mean, you get a ticket and it's Mercer. I mean, come on. No. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. That was great. Coach, you're, you're the best. We, uh, we're going to have you back on, obviously, overtime this year. Uh, we uh, our post-game show. And I appreciate you so much. You're always very good to us. And uh, definitely. No, I enjoy it. Kyle, you know what? I I almost agreed with like maybe 70% of the stuff you said tonight. That's, well, that's uh, good. I'm glad. You're coming no, around. I feel, no, I don't feel good about myself, to be quite well, honest. Well, you're coming around. You know, it's eventually, you'll get the 80%, the 90%. And... Oh. All right, you guys. I appreciate All right. it. You're awesome. Appreciate you, Coach. Well, good night. Good All right, night. Mike. Sleep well. You know, it was Bubba. so much better without Bubba here. It was just so much easier <laughs> trying to have not to walk Bubba through stuff. <laughs> See ya. Later. Oh, my goodness. Great stuff there from from Coach. And uh, now we have uh, another great guest and with us right now. And for, for folks that don't know, it's Epilepsy Awareness Month. And obviously, uh, we have with us right now, right after Coach Mike Steele. And that's... Uh, we have an alum of the ECU softball team, Courtney Layton. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, definitely a very serious topic and something that um, folks may not know. My daughter um, had seizures, and uh, thankfully we had her tested. She does, She's not um, epileptic. She actually had uh, seizures or febrile seizures because of fevers uh, oh, when she was little. Yeah. And um, so it was very scary. So we went through that as a parent. Um, she hasn't had one, thank goodness, in over four years. But um, so it's something that, yeah, it's something that definitely I'm aware about as far as seizures are concerned. Very scary uh, thing. Wanted to have you on, obviously, to talk about that. And uh, first of all, welcome to the show. And uh, certainly, I know you had a great experience as a a softball player for ECU wearing the purple and gold. Uh, we're going to talk about that. And of course, uh, epilepsy awareness month. And, um, I guess where we start is, uh, we'll talk about that. Tell everybody, the, the viewers and listeners, um, how did this first happen for you? Your first seizure and, uh, where was it? And that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, I had it on April 20th of 2016. It was my junior year of high school. It was really weird because, I'd always been healthy, no broken bones, nothing, I mean, nothing. Um, my dad used to come get me up before school and make sure I was awake and all of that. Um, he came up, woke me up. I was, I was good. I woke, I remember waking up that morning, 
um, I didn't come down for breakfast and um, my dad kind of heard a, a sound from upstairs. Uh, he comes upstairs and I'm in my bed. I, I don't, I don't remember any of this. This is what I was told. I was in my bed and I was in the post ankle state. So he missed the seizure. I'm assuming that's when I was supposed to come down for breakfast. Um, but he saw the state where the, the foam is out of the mouth, the bleeding, the eyes are just dazed over, can't see anything, no response. And um, he then freaked out, you know, called my mom from downstairs. They come up there, call 911. Um, next thing I remember, I woke up in the back of the ambulance and I was terrified because I never remember my seizures or what happened. And I just remember waking up in the back of the ambulance, hearing my mom in the front seat telling me it's okay. And I don't think I've ever been so scared in my life because I'm like, why am I back here? You know? So, um, that was the first time I ever had one. And it was one of the worst days of my life. Um, but you know, it's, and I said it, I've said it before. I don't really know if this, any, if, if it ever gets any easier, you just get adjusted to it. Cordy, how soon uh, after the seizure did you get diagnosed with epilepsy? Obviously, uh, a good ER doctor may have had some indications that that's what it was, but they were probably also concerned about brain tumors, et cetera. What kind of battery of tests did you have to go through for them to diagnose you with epilepsy and how long did it take? So the very next morning, the night I had my first seizure, uh, or the morning, so the very next morning I had to go, I had to stay up like all night. And I remember me and my mom were sitting there cause she had to make sure I stayed up. And I remember I was crying. I was like, please let me go to sleep. <laughs> and I wasn't allowed. So the next morning I went in for a EEG and I believe it was 45 minutes. Um, right after that. I mean, it was less than 24 hours. They were like, you have epilepsy. <laughs> very now, next was day. It, was it, were they scared of anything else? What was that? Was that bad news? Was it a relief? Because it's, it's something you've heard of. You know, how much, how, how aware of you uh, were you of epilepsy when you got the diagnosis? Not at all. <laughs> so, uh, did, did, you know, did the doctors explain it to you and your parents? Did, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they just didn't go, you have epilepsy, go home. <laughs> I mean, so, how much, how much explaining did they do that, that, that first day when you got the diagnosis? Well, I remember them them telling me and at the time I was going to a pediatric neurologist because I was 16 and she was very, very, she, she's one of the best neurologists I've had. She was very well-spoken, very good at explaining things and handling situations like having to tell a family, hey, your, your child has epilepsy. Um, and I think she could tell the look on all of her faces were just, you know, just shocked and confused. And she really just sat there and explained to us what it was. And the only thing was nobody, we still don't know where mine came from. Nobody in my family has ever had it. It, it just happened. And that was the only thing that she couldn't explain. She was, she was like, we don't know why, but here's what I can tell you. This is what it is. Here's some websites, information to look over, medication, everything. She was great. Um, and that was pretty much the, the first time I found out. Um, so I went, we went home and did a lot of research on it a lot a lot um you know it, it it was still i still felt very like in a gray area i wasn't completely sure what it was but i also felt a little bit more informed but it was it was a very confusing first few days first few months really but those first two days were very scary and confusing how common is it for it to be non-hereditary do what how common is it for it to be non-hereditary um i actually don't know i feel like 
normally it's within a family and it is hereditary, but mine just, it wasn't, I have no idea. We still don't know. It was, it's very weird. One of the things that I noticed with my daughter Mackenzie was, uh, especially the last time that she had a seizure is that she was having trouble. Like her words were not very crisp. Um, but what was really weird is that um, we knew that she had a seizure. And the reason is every time that she would have a seizure, uh, her, her talking was better. It was clearer. I, I, that was the weirdest thing. It's like afterwards, she was like, dad, dad, like a teenager where before it was harder to understand her. And I'll never forget that. That was something that was uh, very unusual, very odd, mm -hmm. like after the fact. But you definitely knew that she had one because of her speech, how clear it was. It was just really strange. Yeah, mine was mine was the complete other way around. Nothing I said made any sense, no sense. It my brain, the brain just doesn't work. It's it's on a reboot. And I remember I had a seizure in front of my roommates a few years ago, and we were supposed to go to the mall that day. It was one of our off days, and I remember saying this at all but apparently i told them we can go to the mall after i go to the batting cages but it came out in complete gibberish why did i say i needed to go to the batting cages i don't know i don't remember that but that's what i was told it's just weird stuff like that it, it doesn't make any sense so w what are some of your triggers uh i mean do you know is is it staying up you know late not getting enough rest obviously the one everybody talks about with epilepsy is flashing lights what what are your triggers so mine actually aren't strobe light induced, which, which is good. Uh, minor sleep deprivation and stress are my two biggest ones and the ones that I am made aware of as of right now. Okay. Um, so you can't cram up. You can't cram all night for the final. That's what you're saying. No. Like, Do you know how much I can tell you that I wish I could? <laughs> I wish <laughs> I could. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I'm so hey, jealous of people that can do that. If it's not too personal of a question, uh, how many medications are you are you on to, for? Uh... I'm on a 300 milligram at night and a 250 milligram in the morning, but it is the same medication. Okay. I want to ask about head coach Courtney Oliver, uh, former head coach of East Carolina for softball. Uh, I know she worked with you, didn't she? I mean, it was like after you had committed, wasn't it? Or you'd signed with the, the Pirates? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't diagnosed until after until after I committed. I committed in 2015 and then I I got I had epilepsy in 2016 is when I was diagnosed and so having to tell her was was very scary cuz you know I mean first off it turned she was coming to my tournaments and it was that weird time where you're not really supposed to talk to the coaches mm. it's against the rules but my parents were like we have to tell her so while I was playing, my, my parents went up and told her. And I remember the whole time I'm sitting during the game, like biting my nails, you know, like, what is she going to say? And she was nothing but supportive and, and telling, reassuring me and my family that she would make the team aware and she was going to take this step, this step, learn what she could about epilepsy, the steps and first aid, everything. She was nothing but supportive and, and understanding and willing to learn. And how... Did you did you have to take any precautions, any extra precautions, to play softball at the Division One level with epilepsy? Well, that's what when I first found out that was our first. It's funny that was our first question when I was first diagnosed was, "Will I be able to play softball?" Because you have at the time you have no idea your restrictions, and she was like, "Yes, <laughs> you'll be able to play, but here's the thing: 
and with softball in, in college, I had to miss out on a lot of 6 a.m.s because the, the sleep deprivation is so early. And um, sometimes you have to miss out on a little bit of practice because you're twitching or you're stressed or whatever like that. Um, other than that, I, re I really did what I could. But obviously, there's a few things where your health comes first. And it sucks because my whole team was out there doing what they needed to do. And there was sometimes I couldn't join. And that really, that really sucked. And it was really disheartening every time. I remember telling Coach Courtney multiple times, this is extremely disheartening. Um, and every time she was just like, it's okay. Your health comes first, you know, whatever else. And, and it's going to be okay. But these are times where you have to slow down before something extreme happens. So, again, my team was – my team all four years, no matter who came in and who left, coaches, so supportive. Did, did your teammates have a lot of questions for you about it? Did my teammates have a lot of questions? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what What are some of the more ridiculous questions you've been asked? Oh, oh, I've been, um, I've been asked about a lot of myths. Like, can you like, swallow your tongue? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you can't, because they read it online, and it's like you can. I'm like, you can't. I promise. I promise you. That's definitely a question I get asked uh, a lot. My other favorite is when somebody finds out I have epilepsy and, and I understand this, it just makes me laugh because I know my circumstances. They're like, you have epilepsy. You can't go to concerts. I'm like, yes, I can go to concerts. <laughs> I can go. Wow. Like those are, those are the two questions I probably get, get the most. Yeah. If people make, make assumptions based on what they know about things, I actually have an condition called ocular albinism, which makes me legally blind. And when someone hears you're legally blind, they immediately think you can't see a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can identify 100%. There's so many spectrums uh, of, of being legally blind or blindness, just like epilepsy effects. You know, there's different triggers and, and people just don't realize that. It's, it's not that they're ignorant. They're just, they just know what they know. What are your ridiculous questions you get? I'm kind of curious. Oh, uh, how many fingers am I holding up? I always, <laughs> I always answer in kind and show them one and say, how many am I holding up? Um, <laughs> uh, can you drive? Um, no, I can't. Uh, well, I can, but I probably shouldn't. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you go to sporting events and watch games? Well, that's what they make binoculars for. Um, you, you're walking around without a cane. That's because I can see. Uh, <laughs> Um, just, just, just all kinds of, uh, stupid questions. You know, yeah. it's, it's, some of it's comical. Some of it's offensive as you get older. Uh, at least for me, you learn to be less offended by people asking questions. I would prefer people ask rather than make assumptions. I'm right. I'm the same way. Exactly. So. I, I wanted to ask you as far as, uh, obviously ECU, uh, has a new softball coach. Uh, with Shane Winkler coming from Charleston Southern. We, uh, we think a lot of Jeff Barber, the AD down at Charleston Southern, of course, the football team played Charleston Southern a few weeks ago, but just wanted to ask you, uh, what are your thoughts being alum of East Carolina softball? And I know your coach who obviously recruited you and you were very close to Courtney Oliver's not the coach anymore. How do you feel about coach Winkler and just tell us your thoughts uh, because we, I haven't, we haven't had him on the show yet. I know he's been very busy, but, uh, hopefully we can have him on the show very soon. Mm -hmm. uh, but talk about uh, Coach Winkler and your thoughts. I I've met him a few times, and every time I've spoke to him, I I have just I I love him. He he is a very nice guy, and his entire coaching staff, the two girls, Kiana and Jenna, I went out to get coffee with 
before anybody even came back. And I wanted to explain to them, you know, one-on-one, I know that I don't, I don't play here anymore. And I never played for you guys, but I still want to be a part of this program. However I can. I, I've always been really big into alums coming back to their sporting events and being involved. And I really wanted to do that. Um, every time I've spoke to all three of them, they've just been nothing but, but very nice, very welcoming, willing to let me feel included. I've been to a few of the fall games and I love the way he coaches. He, he's very passionate and very, very just into the game. He's in love with softball. And I, and I can tell it's very obvious and I can just tell the girls are having a good time on the field. And I, and I love that. And I always like to leave my program better than I found it. And I feel like hopefully that's something that we did. I love ECU. I love ECU softball so much. I love, I love it. (laughs) Um, I'm a pirate for life. Die hard. No question. Um, So I I hated seeing my coaching staff go, um, but I know they're all doing really well. And that's what matters to me. I still talk to all of them on a consistent basis. And um, I'm really excited to see where the program goes. I think that he can really put it in a, in a good direction. And and I'm excited. Courtney, what are you doing now? And and do you want to get into coaching? I can tell you probably do. Do I want to get into coaching? Yeah. I did my 17 years of softball. I would love to watch. (laughs) I don't know. Really? I I was expecting that. That is not the answer I was expecting. Exactly. Well, let's talk about your new gig. I'm very excited. Uh, Bubba told us that you're the um, with the ECU Athletic Social Media. And I'm going to say this, um, and I'm not kissing up to you because you're on our show. Our social media, I'll put our social media department up against anybody in the country. And I, seriously, I, I sincerely mean that these hype videos, the videos you see at the different sports uh, with, between practices and things like that, I, I'm, I really love it. Yeah, they, um, I know that the people I work with, I primarily, there's a little bit of photography. I mean, I'm trying to learn everything I can while I'm doing my internship, but the, the interns that I get to work with every day and be friends with the photography and the videography is just like, I can I, when I, when I watch it, I can't believe those are the people I get to see every day and I get to see the extra footage and, and what went into it and the getting made. And it's, it's the coolest thing ever. And Mine's primarily social media, so I, I, I kind of stick to that. But knowing that, that I know the people that are pulling out these videos that are getting viewed by however many people and getting reposted and everything, it's it's so cool. And I, I agree with you. Our social media team is is just. I really think that we take. I know that I do at least from the way that the Panthers social media runs and the Canes social media runs and whoever else and try to kind of mimic that and match that kind of energy. And I think that's something really that we do really, really well. Who, who are some of the members of our social media team uh, that, that deserve to get some shout outs here? Those aren't people that uh, you know, like coaches and players that, you, that you, their name gets mentioned very often. Uh, definitely my boss, Houston McCullough. She is, she's unreal at what she does. Um, Jared Osmick is also amazing. Thomas Berkman is an intern. He's the one that does all the, amazing videography all the uniform videos he does most of those unreal um our photographers are isaiah walker he's amazing emily redeker leah smith um everybody steven um he's a great photographer i just i i can't believe that watching people that talented is so rewarding and knowing that those are the people i get to be around and they're just they're really really good at what they do 
Like, do you have any uh, interaction with Midor? You can't trust that guy. Oh, Ryan God, Midor. I love Midor. <laughs> oh my God. I see him every day. <laughs> how, how much does he pay you? Oh my gosh. I can't oh believe. God. <laughs> Just in conversation. Okay. <laughs> love him. Yeah, he's, yeah, me, he's, me he's a friend of the show and uh, always been very. You want to talk about a great pirate. Uh, my goodness, you want to talk about great work. He's always done great work. And now that he's been back at his own alma mater, I mean, that's just so cool to, to take his talents and to enhance that. Uh, one question I had, too, is uh, can you can you tell us where did Coach Oliver land? Uh, where is she coaching now? She's the associate head softball coach at Houston. Okay. okay. So you, you, the Pirates will uh... – We'll, we'll be playing their former coach. Yep, that's <laughs> right. I'm excited, and I actually spoke to her the other day, and I know that she she loves it out there, and and I'm really I'm really excited for her, and I can't wait to see them when they when they come down to East Carolina. I'm excited. Courtney, what are what are some what what are some websites and some resources if people want to learn more about epilepsy uh, that they can visit? I would say epilepsy found the epilepsy foundation is definitely the most informative. Um, that that was the one that we really looked a lot at, and it has all the information. Um, I know there's like living with epilepsy websites, and there's blogs and stuff like that. If anytime you know you have any kind of question, Epilepsy Foundation, and then if you just type in Epilepsy Foundation is a separate one. Another one is like living with epilepsy. They usually have frequently asked questions, blogs, everything. Those were the two that we really studied, and our eyes burned into our computers <laughs> looking at it so hard when I was diagnosed and David didn't mean to cut you off but if if there's anybody watching the show that that has a a child a teenager you know son daughter that uh, maybe has been recently diagnosed with epilepsy um, uh, would would you want them to reach out to you personally I don't know if you'd like to get that involved or or not always I love I I don't like love I don't love hearing that people are diagnosed or, or dealing with it because it, it really does suck. But I love nothing more than answering questions or um, just being there for people who are dealing with it. Because epilepsy, a lot of people have it, more people than you would think, but n- the people who don't have it don't understand. Right. It's really, really hard to explain. And so having someone that that they can talk to or that I can talk to is is one of my favorite things and just being able to go back and forth and there's some people I I love when I get DMs from moms dads whoever that were just recently diagnosed and I love being able to answer their questions knowing that I was diagnosed five years ago and how can people reach out to you um usually Instagram uh Instagram and Twitter are the two biggest ones okay so just just, just your name. Just, is that how they find you? Yeah, if they type in Courtney Layton on either platform, I'm, I'm on. That's okay. how you can find me on both. All right. Well, you've definitely been entertaining, and uh, you've definitely been informative too about that. And uh, good luck. Are you going to one final question? Is this what you want to do as far as a career? Is uh, I guess sports social media. So on Friday, a few days ago, I got hired. Uh, at WNCT as a digital content producer. So I'll be starting there soon. So yeah, that's exactly what I want to say. And then I, <laughs> I'm very well, lucky pl- I get to stay here in Greenville. I'm very excited about that. Well, please do me a favor when you're there. Give Ryan Bailey a hard time for me, okay? <laughs> I just saw him today. <laughs> He's Love another good guy. friend. He is a sweetheart. He's awesome. He really is a great guy. I'm joking. And 
I pick on the people I like. Thank you so much for coming on tonight and spending some time with us. And uh, definitely with Epilepsy Awareness Month here in November, uh, we definitely wanted to have you on. And uh, good luck to you and good luck to the uh, softball team, too. We we hear good things about Coach Winkler and the staff. So good luck to them this coming season. Yeah, I'm very excited. All right. Well, go Pirates. I hope you have a great night. Go Thanks, Pirates. Courtney. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Yeah. You know, she's, she's very well spoken and uh, got, got a good personality. Yeah. Would not be surprised if she goes from digital content to to, to Bailey wanting to uh, use her as a backup sportscaster. No doubt, she uh, she had, she was definitely good and definitely uh, knows the culture of being a pirate, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is huge, huge. I mean, anybody like that that can stay in Greenville, work for WNCC, yes. work for ECU, has passion for the university, has passion for pirate athletics, and in her case, pirate softball. That's what we need. We we need more of that. No doubt about it. I wanted to ask you a few things, and then we're going to wrap the show up. Uh, give your thoughts again. I I was just uh, I couldn't believe that it was perfect timing, wasn't it, for when they announced those four in and Cincinnati got messed up and uh, not in the in the four. I, I you know, I, I give Cincinnati a hard time because they've been winning a lot in the top team and you want to beat Cincinnati, but they did get uh I don't even know the right word, but screwed. Uh they should call nine one one. They got robbed in my opinion. But I know it's still four games left. Yeah, there, there's you know, they all they can do is is try to win and win at a high level. Um you know, they do have some games coming up, SMU's top 25. Houston, most likely in the conference championship, most likely will be top 25. So uh, there's some opportunities to move up. Teams will lose around them. Um, I, I personally hope it's a moot point because I hope we upset them Thanksgiving yep. weekend and make it not matter. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, they haven't played particularly well the last couple of weeks. That may or may not have hurt them. I don't know. I was going to ask you that. I don't know. I, I think that's the excuse that'll be used. Uh, it's it's going to be hard. Look, I, I, if they get in, they'll be number four. Um, yep. Things are going to play out. I, I do think they're in they're in they're in shooting range where they can get to number four at least. But um, you know, I, I think it uh, it's a shame. It kind of makes you long for the days of the old system because in the old system. Uh, you know, even if we were using that to select our playoff teams, uh, the old BCS days, they would be in, you know, in position to play for the national championship. So isn't that something yeah. now that we have a human equation to it beyond the polls that you're getting screwed more than if we were still using the old system? I'm talking about, that's a great point. Wow. That's a really good point. But you know, that, that, that that's the thing is, let me ask you this question. Um, Hypothetically, if they were to go twelve and zero and they don't get that in the in the final four, thirteen and zero. Well, well, thirteen and zero with the conference championship, yes. So they win uh, the regular season, they win the conference championship, they go thirteen and zero. Uh, would you sue them if they don't? If would you sue the NCAA or? Uh, well, if they don't make I think since go? they're going to the Big Twelve, they won't. But I think the conference should. I, I think the American Conference should. Um, you know, I, I think the group of five as a whole should. Uh, I think we should we should sue the. The NCAA, the Power Five conferences. Um, I, I think we should see the playoff. Whoever can be sued should be sued. It, it should already happen. But uh, you know, I think if, if they go thirteen and zero, they're making a clear statement to anybody who is not in the so-called Power Five conference. You have no chance of making the playoffs. Right. And to me, that that is um, that is creating a monopoly that that violates antitrust laws. Yep. I mean, it is. It, 
there needs to be a lawsuit. And uh, I, I think the fear is if if there's a lawsuit, that the, they'll just take their ball and say, all right, you're right. Uh, we're going to break away and form our own division. Um, but so be it if that happens. They could do that anyway, right? Even without a lawsuit, they could. They could, but they don't want to because they know they're they're losing part of their market. See, that's the whole thing about it. The the more teams you have at that level on paper, the more market you have. Because you know, if East Carolina is now in a different division, and Colorado State's now in a different division, and Boise State, and so on and so forth. You know, they're not going to, they may be, not, I'm not going to be interested in watching ACC or SEC or Big Ten football. I'm going to be watching just the, the conferences in our division. So they don't want to do that because it's less eyeballs, but they don't want us to have any kind of, we're not even asking for equal rights. All we're asking for is to have a, the table. a seat at the table between the five conferences. Yep. Uh, it soon could be four conferences, but either way, um, we're just asking to share one spot. Yeah, that would be a great start for sure. So we'll see how that plays out. And um, obviously, we're having uh, we're going to talk about our Pirate preview in just a second. But I know um, Bubba wanted to mention about the uh, 1932 hats established in 1932. Uh, for those watching on the screen right now, they're great hats. And if you're interested in that, you can just email us at thesportsobj at gmail.com. Again, Email us at thesportsobj at gmail.com if you're interested in purchasing an ES, uh, the established 1932 hat. Or we're going to have other items such as hoodies in the future with logos, T-shirts, a whole bunch of yeah, stuff. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get those sold and there'll be a, a high demand and we can get some stuff done for the holidays. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, not many of those left, but uh, we want to do another round. We want to do some hoodies. And if there's a big enough demand, uh, maybe we'll have some hoodies for sale uh, for uh, for the Christmas season. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. No doubt. no doubt. Johnny Robertson, Bubba, I want to get that uh, his question up on the screen for Kyle before we got one more question we'll take from Johnny and then get out of here. Johnny asked, if it came down to Oklahoma or Cincinnati for the final playoff spot, who do you think Bob Bowlesby would, who, would root for? Great question, Johnny. Uh, that is a good question. I think he'd root for Cincinnati. Um, but uh, – I think Oklahoma would probably get it, but uh, I bet Bob Bowlesby uh, would root for Cincinnati, though Oklahoma's going to bring him more money in his conference at the present time, but I hope he would see the bigger picture and and, and root for Cincinnati uh, would be my guess. Yeah. Oklahoma is a lame duck now. Definitely they're bringing more eyeballs and all that, but I definitely think he would root for Cincinnati. That's just my take, but you know, what do I know? Um, and we've got some other graphics. Uh, by the way, uh, very excited, Kyle, this weekend. Uh, you're a big baseball fan. We have the Purple and Gold uh, World Series uh, coming up this weekend. I know Bubba has. There it is. Thank you, Bubba. You're the best. Uh, this weekend on Friday at 3.30, we have Saturday at 10.50 a.m. And Sunday is going to be at high noon for the World Series, very excited about it, the Purple and Gold World Series, because uh, the best of the best, uh, when it comes to, we've got one of the best programs in the country. This is kind of like the um, the big game, but, you know, like two different teams that they'll have. That's like the Purple and Gold game, except this, yeah. uh, it's, the, it's the baseball, baseball. version. And uh, 
So, uh, yeah, I guess good luck to both teams because they're both fired. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, no basketball. go ahead, uh, Dave, what's on screen? All right. And uh, Thursday, one of our good friends who loves, uh, as Kyle mentioned last night, he loves wrestling and barbecue. So we, we don't understand why he's in Philly, but that's a whole other show. Uh, we'll have him on Thursday night. Ryan actually, actually, Philly has a big professional wrestling culture. That's true. Going back, yeah. Now that I think about it, that's true. Maybe not the barbecue, but definitely the wrestling. Now that I think, it's daily to, uh, Temple twenty four seven site. He's awesome. He'll give us the latest on Temple recruiting. We'll be talking about the game. We'll be talking about Coach Carey. I I don't know. I don't know that he survives after the season, but we'll see about that. I, I think there's a there's been a lot of guys at college. You know because you followed the college football. Um, the whole sport very close. I I just see a lot of players transferring, leaving. Yeah, um, it, it'll, 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 I think it's a hot mess. I think it'll depend on how the season plays out. I mentioned this guy's name last night for the UConn job, but uh, I, I could really see Joe Moorhead going to Temple. He's a northeastern guy, was yep. offensive coordinator at Penn State, was head coach, head coach at Colgate, did, did a great job at Mississippi State for two seasons. For some reason, they fired him um, after back to back seasons. Um, now he's the OC at Oregon. Uh, my guess it, it, that would be their that I would I would think he'd be at the top of their list um, if they make a change. But there's a lot of football left to be played. I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Bubba. I believe Temple has three wins, so they can still get to a bowl game if they got hot. Let's hope that don't happen. <laughs> they're three and two. They're three and two, right? I believe they're three and three. I'm- three and three, I believe. Um, yeah, three, three, or three and four. Uh, That's Bobby right. got their That's right. records. Wait a minute, they're three and four, three and five. He's got up there, three and five, three and five. So they got three wins. So they need to, they, they, they need to get some wins to get to a bowl. But technically, they still could. It's like again, let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, at least not yeah. this week. Um, so I guess it's going to depend on how the season plays out for them. But uh, it, it, let's say they end up, um, let's say they end up three and nine. Uh, will they give them another year? I, I don't know. Um, Time will tell. No, no doubt about it. In fact, uh, they have, they have. Uh, here's the games they have after us, Kyle. Houston at home, at Tulsa, and Navy at home is what Bubba's putting them on the screen. Uh, yeah, for us. that's uh, uh, well, yeah. that's that's tough. It could be tougher, but that that ain't an easy path. Um, so uh, yeah, I think we have an easier path, no doubt. To, to I, don't think, Navy. Uh, I don't think our path is any easier. I just think we're a much better football team. Uh, well, we, we, you know, at Memphis, you, are, you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're easy. I'm not saying they're easy. At team. Memphis, at, at Memphis, at Navy, and Cincinnati at home, that's not an easy path. But no, uh, I'm just I, saying. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. What I'm saying is that I'm not saying there's easy teams. I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying I think we have more of a shot to to make it than they do. Well, you players. know, as long as we win this weekend, we'll have more wins than them. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have a better shot. But no, I I actually think our I actually think our schedule's tougher than theirs. Um, by the way, um, Kyle, uh, right now I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the score for you. Bottom of the fifth, your Braves are up six to nothing over the Astros. So, well, that's not my Braves. I'm just pulling. I know. For, <laughs> just pulling for them out of pure nostalgia purposes. But uh, good deal. Also, Eastern Michigan Toledo is uh, 31-28. Last check. If you're into a little Tuesday night action, uh, there are actually three Mac games going on. But uh, I'm watching that one because I have an affinity for Chris Payton, the head coach at Eastern Michigan. And our boy Scott Weatherby is the athletic director there. Yes, he is a great pirate, and uh, appreciate all he has done for Greenville in the past. Do you uh, 
do you have you have anything before we go, my friend? No, I was just looking forward to the prior preview Thursday night. Hopefully, uh, got good weather Saturday. The forecast uh, locally is calling for no rain. It's just going to be chilly and sunny. Uh, weather Channel saying thirty to forty percent chance of rain. So let's hope the Weather Channel is full of crap. And uh, we we have sunshiny skies and cool weather and perfect day for football. They've been wrong before. They're going to be wrong again. We're going to have great weather for uh, Coach Ruffin McNeil and the Hall of Fame weekend. Very happy for you, Coach. Uh, I know he watches and listens to our show. Appreciate Coach being a great friend of the show and all that he's done for ECU. And just so happy that um, we'll talk more about that on Thursday night, obviously. But I'm just so happy he's going to the Hall of Fame. It really, that was one of the best news I'd heard it in quite a while when we heard that when that story broke. So uh, good for him and everybody in the Hall of Fame. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you very much. Uh, for I know we've been on the air a lot tonight, but I appreciate you coming back and being with Coach Steele and Courtney uh, Layton. Appreciate her coming back on for Epilepsy Awareness Month. Again, until Thursday nights, appreciate everybody. And we've got a lot of content up on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time, you've been watching the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates. Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. 